everybody. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And every day, Monday through Friday, we are talking Penn State football right here with you on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. I'm a contributor to Athlon Sports and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. And I'm reminding you that you can subscribe to this podcast in all of your favorite podcasting apps from iTunes to Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it. You can subscribe to it. And if you want to help support the show and help spread the word about us, make sure you leave a rating and a review because your feedback not only helps us improve the show moving forward, but we also appreciate the opportunity to be having some better placement in the different podcasting apps. So your feedback really does go a long way in helping our show grow. We had a great October. We are now into November and we are ready to get going as we get ready for Penn State getting back in action. Coming up in today's show, we're going to recap some of the things that went down over the past weekend. Obviously, Penn State was off, so I'll tell you how I spent my bye week, and I'm very curious to see how you guys spend your bye weeks moving forward. We'll also do our recap of everything that happened in the Big Ten. It was a light weekend in the Big Ten and in the Top 25, but we'll spend some time talking about what happened in the Big Ten in the second segment, and in our third segment, we'll take a look at what happened around the rest of the country, and we'll start to get ready for the big college football playoff ranking debut tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Should be a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode, so sit back, relax, Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. And again, head on over to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Give us a like there. Share some of our status updates with your friends and family as we continue to build this little community for what should be a very eventful month of November for the Nittany Lions. So this was a very down weekend on the college football schedule, which I think is unfortunate because we're going to get our first batch of playoff rankings uh, tomorrow, (laughs) Tuesday night. We'll get our first look at the college football playoff selection uh, committee's rankings, which we'll talk about later in the show. But it seems like a very poor planning, I think, from a TV standpoint and certainly a marketing standpoint for a lot of the conferences and their TV partners. Now, I understand uh, the schedule this year is a little different because everybody's getting an extra bye week. So this just happens to be a, a good week to have a bye week. So if you were able to get a bye week to start off November, it's probably not a bad spot to be in. Penn State was obviously on the bye week. Minnesota uh, in a bye week to get ready for their game this weekend. And of course, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, they were all off. Alabama and LSU were off. So, so there wasn't really a whole lot of drama going out there this weekend for some of the leading contenders in the polls. That doesn't mean that we were without any drama this weekend. There was a lot of stuff to get into that we'll talk about as the show progresses. But I'm very curious to see how people handle the bye weeks. Uh, you know, it's just something that I know I'm not really in that routine because I actually am I'm spending my Saturdays watching 12 to 14 hours of college football for part of my work. So I'm not really in the uh, in the general fan base here anymore uh, like I used to be. So I'm very I'm always curious to see well, what are people doing on the bye weeks? Are they sitting around watching college football even if there aren't a whole lot of great games on? Or are they spending their Saturdays, you know, maybe spending some time with friends and family or doing some housework, or maybe you have a wedding that was specifically scheduled for the bye week. <laughs> I, I'm very curious about that because I know, uh, you know, the whole, the, the no fall weddings thing 
I, I think it gets a little overblown and I've had some fun, you know, being a part of that at times, but ultimately when it comes down to is, uh, have your wedding whenever you want it. Uh, that's what I'm going to say right now. If you want to have a wedding in the fall, go ahead and have a wedding in the fall. I know people that have had weddings in the fall. My parents had a wedding in the fall. My aunt and uncle had a wedding in the fall. Some friends of mine have had weddings in the fall. So yeah, if you want to have a wedding in the fall, go for it. Knock yourself out. Your real friends and family will be there to support you no matter what game may or may not be on TV that particular weekend. But this was a good weekend. I think to do some catching up with a lot of things. I know behind the scenes, I did a lot of catching up with some stuff that I've been trying to get into in uh, up to speed with, uh, including some stuff that we're going to be rolling out with the podcast soon. And uh, basically just uh, putting together some outlines for some f- uh, future shows, especially thinking ahead to the off season, how we're going to approach that. So I'm always open for feedback too. If you want to send me any suggestions for what you want to hear, I do have some ideas uh, laid out and, I'll start working on those. And, you know, I was also working on some graphics too. So we'll be updating the Facebook page a little bit. We'll maybe throw in some stuff for the podcast in other ways, but, you know, we'll roll them out when we're ready for them. But I guess I would uh, should explain, here's what my typical Saturday is like. And again, my Saturday was still very standard compared to every other Saturday of the season. And basically, I, I wake up, I'll lounge around with the wife and the, the, the dog in the living room, watching some TV, drinking some coffee, enjoying my breakfast, just taking things nice and slow because I know I'm going to be in store for a very long day at the home desk in the home office. And I did share some images on my Instagram page and my Twitter, uh, or my, I'm sorry, my Facebook page, just giving people that follow me a little bit of a look behind the scenes just so they can get an understanding for what my typical work day or work environment is like. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, you're more than welcome to. It's nothing too fancy. It gets the job done. But you know, leading up to that, you know, I just like to relax in the morning, walk the dog, have a nice walk in the nice fall weather. It was really beautiful early November fall weather, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, so there was a, you know, it was a very standard routine for me. It's very slow going, easy, easy pace, laid back in the morning, getting ready for the grind. And usually I'm going to be scheduled one or two of the noon games to cover with halftime posts and post game posts on college football talk on NBCSports.com. So you, if you follow me on Twitter, you see these posts automatically go up as soon as possible. So I think I don't remember which noon games I had. I had Michigan and Maryland which I'm pretty sure was a noon game, and I don't remember the other one I had at that time. But I also had the Florida-Georgia game, which was a pretty good game to be covering in the 3.30 time slot. And I also had the uh, Virginia-North Carolina game at night, which was pretty tough for me to cover because it was on the ACC network, and I don't have the ACC network. So I always had to resort to following people on Twitter, uh, following their their Twitter feeds, and of course, uh, checking out the live box scores and just trying to piece it together from there and try to find the main story angle, which of course was which team's going to take control of the ACC Coastal Division, which if you follow the ACC at all, you know that that division is totally up for grabs. It's what I thought the Big Ten West was going to be this year, although that certainly has not panned out. But I'm always curious, and sometimes I get a little jealous of how people are getting a chance to spend their bye weeks. I know I'm going to have some bye weeks once the bowl season wraps up, but I've got a ways to go before I get there. So let me know what you guys do on your bye weeks to kill some time before Penn State gets back into the swing of things. All right, guys, let me tell you about Roman. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
It's time now to take a look around everything that happened in the Big Ten in week 10 of the college football season. And of course, as you've already heard, there wasn't a whole lot going on because in addition to Penn State being off on a bye week, Ohio State was off, Minnesota was off, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State were all off. But that doesn't mean there weren't some things happening around the Big Ten that we need to be paying attention to to get a better appreciation for everything that's happening within this very conference. And we'll start with those noon games because this was one of the games I was covering for NBC on Saturday with number 14 Michigan going on the road against Maryland. Michigan coming off their big win against Notre Dame the week after a comeback attempt against Penn State fell one drop pass shy of at least tying the game. And again, who knows what happens in that game if they do hold on that pass and uh, manage to tie that game up at 28-28. But Michigan has been playing some pretty good football. Really, in the last six quarters of play, that has gained a lot of positive momentum for Michigan as they go into the month of November. So now they had to go back on the road and take care of business against a Maryland team that has really just been spiraling down in the wrong direction after a nice little hot start to the season. But this looks like a matchup that Michigan should absolutely be taking advantage of because they were bigger, stronger, more physical, and just had better playmakers all around when they needed it. Since falling behind Penn State 21-0 a couple weeks ago, Michigan has been on a 104-21 run against their opponents, including Penn State, Notre Dame, and this game against Maryland, a 38-7 victory. So this is a big game for Michigan because now they go into their bye week. They're feeling very much confident about where they are right now offensively. They're sticking to their identity now. It seems like they have found it at least. And it may not be the identity that they wanted when the season started, but it's working for them now. And ultimately, that's the most important. Whatever's going to help you win some football games the rest of the way is what you have to go with for better or worse. It may cost you against Ohio State, but it's very much good enough to win the next couple of games and go into that Ohio State game with some momentum. So Michigan's going to get their bye week now. They'll get Michigan State at home in two weeks. They have to go to Indiana before their big game at, uh, I'm sorry, home against Ohio State. So Michigan's in a good position now to string together another few wins, uh, a few solid wins too, I might add. And of course, if you're a Penn State fan, that bodes well for you. You got to keep it paying attention to what Michigan is doing. Because let's say if Penn State continues to win the games that they're supposed to win, and regardless of what happens against Ohio State, Penn State's playoff positioning, or, or the playoff ranking positioning, I should clarify, because I don't know if Penn State's going to be in the playoff or not, but the ranking is going to be very much dependent on who they've beaten. And if Michigan continues to hang around there and maybe even cracks into the top 10, that win against Michigan is looking a lot stronger than it may have a couple weeks ago if the season had gone away from them. Uh, Michigan, um, you know, if they lose that game, Notre Dame, uh, this is a much different story. But Michigan now at 14 in the polls still after their win against Maryland, they're hanging in a pretty good spot if you're a Penn State fan. So you want to see Michigan continue to win some games. And hey, if they happen to beat Ohio State at the end of the year, so be it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But uh, Michigan winning games ultimately is a good thing for Penn State, especially if Penn State can continue to take care of their own business. Speaking of which, another former Penn State opponent this season from just a few weeks back, Purdue. Purdue stunned Nebraska 31-27 with a touchdown in the last minute. Still playing without Rondell Moore. They were down to their, I guess, their third-string quarterback because uh, Jack Plummer was injured in the game. So Purdue's just scrambling around with a third-stringer at quarterback, and they are just finding ways to make some plays happen against Nebraska. And this is a really bad loss for Nebraska. I wrote a little bit about this over on the comeback. If you want to check it out, I've also shared it on my Twitter page. But basically, this is 
arguably the worst loss that Nebraska has suffered under Scott Frost. And let's be honest, they're racking up way more losses than a lot of people were anticipating in the two-year run under Scott Frost. And I'm not saying Nebraska needs to hit any panic buttons with Scott Frost. I still think they're in very good hands. And I think Scott Frost is going to do some good things with Nebraska over the course of time. Problem is, they're now in a position where they could potentially miss the bowl season for a third straight season. And that hasn't happened since the mid-1950s into 1961, I think it was, that I wrote. So this is a rare territory for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So they need to win two of their final three games now. The good news is Nebraska plays Maryland. That game's going to be on the road. The bad news is they have to play Wisconsin and Iowa. Now, both of those games are at home, but Wisconsin and Iowa are probably the two best teams in that Big Ten West say what you will against uh, about Minnesota, but I feel like those are really tough opponents that Nebraska is going to have to steal at least one of those games against. And you know what? I'm not even sure the Maryland game is a given. And I don't think Nebraska can say any game is a given at this point. So Nebraska's in some real trouble. Again, long-term, I think Nebraska will be fine with Scott Frost. I do think it's going to work out for him. But short-term, things are looking pretty ugly for Nebraska right now. If they miss the bowl season again, it will be two straight years without a bowl game under Scott Frost. Last year, I kind of expected, uh, kind of expected, I should say. I didn't think it was going to be a guarantee that they get into the bowl season last year. This year, I was a little bit more optimistic. I didn't think that Nebraska was going to be the Big Ten West contender that a lot of people seem to, to think coming into the season. But I absolutely expected them to be playing in a bowl game. And that is very much hanging in the balance right now. It's far from a given. But speaking of bowl games, Illinois moved one big step closer to their bowl eligibility with a 38-10 victory against Rutgers. Everybody beats Rutgers. This game was actually tied 10-10 at the half, but Illinois comes out in the third quarter, scores 21 points in the third quarter, shuts uh, Rutgers out in the second half on their way to their fifth victory of the year. And this game was pretty interesting because of all teams to have some kind of animosity, Rutgers and Illinois are not exactly the two teams that I would put on that radar. But there was a little pregame clap off where they're clapping each other's faces. I guess the referees had to separate them. Coaches get them onto the sidelines before the game started. Whatever gets you fired up, I guess. But hey, it certainly worked for Illinois. Illinois now needs just one more win in order to become bowl eligible under Lovey Smith for the first time. And their next couple of games are going to be pretty tough to get one. They have to go to Michigan State. They got to play at Iowa. Uh, they actually get a bye week before that Iowa game. But uh, I think the best chance for Illinois to get to a bowl season to the bowl season is their regular season finale, a home game against Northwestern who lost to Indiana 34 to three over the weekend. Indiana is already bowl eligible. They clinched that last week. We talked a little bit about that. And this is another team that Penn State fans should be keeping an eye on because Indiana now is seven and two overall. I think they are absolutely worthy of being in the top 25. Didn't quite make the cut in the AP poll this week. We'll see where the college football playoff committee uh, ranks them if they do. But I was a little surprised that they didn't sneak in because there were a couple teams that I thought could potentially fall out. But I feel as though Indiana, as a top 25 team when they come to Penn State, still has a chance. Might need to uh, have to take a look at the schedule, see if any of those teams that are on the fringe of the top 25 take a loss. But Indiana certainly is looking like a much better opponent than a lot of people would have anticipated when they arrive in Happy Valley in a couple of weeks. And again, Penn State still has to get by Minnesota, but the game against Indiana is going to be a little bit more of a battle than I originally anticipated at the start of the season because they're playing some good football right now. 
All right, so that's what happened around the Big Ten. Coming up in our next segment, we're actually going to take a look around some of the top 25 games, a couple headlines that have come out in the past 24 hours, and we will get you set for what's going to happen on Tuesday with a quick thought on the college football playoff rankings that are going to come out Tuesday night. This is a Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you go check out all the podcasts for your favorite teams in the NBA, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, and of course, your favorite college teams, if you have a second team besides Penn State. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. Go ahead and give us a like today and share these status updates with your friends and family. Help them know about what we're doing here at the show, and maybe they'll check it out, and maybe they'll subscribe and share with their friends as well. It was a down weekend on the college football schedule in week 10, but there is one very big question that is going to become a little bit more routine in the coming weeks. And that is, who is the best one loss team in the country? It seems like that's a question that pops up every year once we get into the college football playoff mix. And I firmly believe that this is going to be a very big question once again as the next couple of weeks unfold and the playoff rankings really start to take the focus into where we're going to be going with our four-team playoff. We understand that there are a couple scenarios in which uh, there will be an undefeated champion from the SEC, the ACC, Big Ten, and hey, even the Big 12 has a chance to have an undefeated champion. But odds are... There's going to be at least one team in the college football playoff that has one loss. And we know that a couple undefeated teams still have to go head-to-head, like Penn State and Minnesota this week, Alabama and LSU this week, and potentially Penn State and Ohio State later on, or Ohio State and Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship game. So we know that some of these teams that are ranked with uh, no loss will very likely be taking a loss. And we're guaranteed a couple of losses along the way. So the big question is going to be, who is the best one-loss team? Well, if nothing else this weekend showed that there are some pretty good one-loss teams already in the conversation and they're just waiting for more people to join that party. Number eight, Georgia is probably the best one-loss team in the country after their victory against number six, Florida, a 24-17 victory in Jacksonville. I still think this is a really good spot for Georgia to be in. They take over control of the SEC East division and can almost put this division away next week with a win against Missouri. Uh, There's still a scenario where Florida or Missouri can still win this division, but I think odds are at this point, Georgia is going to be going back to Atlanta to play for the SEC title game. And they are looking like the top one loss team in the country at this point. If you look at the latest AP poll that came out on Sunday, Georgia is the highest ranked one loss team in the country at number six, sitting one spot right behind Penn State. So Georgia's sitting there waiting for Penn State to lose, waiting for Clemson to lose or Ohio State to lose. They know that LSU and Alabama are both going to lose, but there's no guarantee that either of those two teams are going to fall far enough to have Georgia give a chance to pass them. But Georgia's going to get their crack at Alabama or LSU very likely in the SEC title game. So they can still play their way into the college football playoff with one loss. And they are probably in the best position to do so at this point. However, in the Pac-12, they had number seven Oregon taking care of business in the Coliseum against USC 56 to 24. Uh, Former Penn Stater, of course, Juwan Johnson had some good catches for the Ducks from their quarterback, Justin Herbert. And I think this is a big victory for Oregon because I actually thought that they were going to have a little bit of a struggle here. I thought USC was going to put up a good fight. Clearly, I was wrong about them. And uh, this Oregon team 
just continues to improve as the season goes along. They haven't lost since the season opener in Dallas against uh, Auburn. So they have been on a roll right now. They've got a victory at Washington. They pretty much had this division in, in the Pac-12 North all but locked up. I guess they can clinch it with their next win. They've got a two-game lead on Oregon State in that division. Nobody else is going to have a chance to catch them. So Oregon sitting pretty, getting ready to play for a Pac-12 championship for the first time since they went to the college football playoff national championship. So it's been a few years for Oregon, but Oregon may now be back as a Pac-12 power. And that show against USC was certainly dominant and a reminder that they are to be taken very seriously. Now, on the other end of the Pac-12, we had the number nine Utah Utes going on the road and taking care of a win against Washington, 33-28. to This is a game where Washington just continues to not be the same team they have been the last couple of years. Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe there's something else to it. But Chris Peterson's team, uh, the Huskies, are not playing up to the same bar that they have been the last couple of years. They make some sloppy mistakes. Utah makes them pay for it. Utah gets out of there with a hard-fought victory. It's not easy to win in Seattle, but Oregon and Utah have both done it now. So there's something about these two teams here. Utah with the USC losing to Oregon. The Utah Utes do get control back of the Pac-12 South Division. However, just throwing this caveat out there, UCLA also controls their fate in that Pac-12 South. If UCLA wins out, they would actually play for the Pac-12 championship, which would absolutely crush the Pac-12's dream scenario at this point in the season of having a one-loss Oregon versus a one-loss Utah in the conference championship game. In my mind, that's very likely a play-in game for the college football playoff spot that may be up for grabs at the end of the year, but you know that would be what the Pac-12 is hoping for right now because that would be huge for the conference. They haven't had a conference championship game where both teams have a chance to make the playoff, and this would ultimately be their best conference championship game to date by far, not even close. So Georgia, Oregon, Utah, they're already the top three one-loss teams in the country, and that shows in the AP poll. You can throw Oklahoma in there, too. It feels like we're kind of overlooking Oklahoma because of their loss to Kansas State, who absolutely crushed Kansas, by the way, this weekend. But I would throw Oklahoma in that conversation as well. They have really fallen down in the rankings the last few weeks because of their loss to Kansas State and just how good some of these other teams are looking. But you know what? When Oklahoma's playing their best, they're really darn good, too. So I would not throw Oklahoma completely off the wayside yet. Oklahoma was another team that was off this weekend, by the way. But uh, elsewhere in the top 25, number 23, Wake Forest. A big win against NC State, 44-10. Wake Forest is now 7-1 for the first time since 2007. That was the year they won the ACC and played in the Orange Bowl. They actually lost to current big, uh, ACC member Louisville, who won the Big East Championship that year. And I believe that was a Teddy Bridgewater team, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty fun ride. For Dave Clawson and Wake Forest, and I would keep a real close eye on Dave Clawson moving forward. His name has got to be on the radar, and there are some jobs that are going to be opening up. But the, he, uh, Wake Forest is now going to try pull off the in-state sweep. They've got Duke coming up. They've already beaten North Carolina in a non-conference game. They took care of NC State, so they're looking for the rare uh, three-game sweep of the in-state FBS programs uh, with Duke coming up. So Wake Forest is looking pretty good. Wake Forest is the only other team in the ACC outside of Clemson to be ranked in the AP Top 25 this week. And uh, Wake Forest is playing some good football. And I'm, I'm curious to see how they stack up against Clemson. I think that they can give Clemson some trouble and maybe play with them for a little bit. But ultimately, this Clemson team looks really good. Really good. 
Uh, other top 25 teams in action, you can look at that group of five race. It was a big weekend for the group of five. Number 21, Boise State does wiggle past San Jose State late Saturday night. That's good news for them because SMU, the number 15 team in the country, fell. SMU loses at Memphis, number 24 Memphis. That's a big win in that American Athletic Conference. It puts Memphis in charge of that AAC West Division. They already got a head-to-head win against Navy. Now they got the head-to-head win against SMU. So Memphis is sitting in a good spot. They will have to play Cincinnati at the end of the season in the regular season. Cincinnati, with a game-winning field goal, avoids a disaster of a loss at East Carolina, 46-43. So Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati was the highest-ranked team in the AP poll that came out on Sunday. They are there at number 17. Memphis is at number 19. So it's looking like the American Athletic Conference is in the best spot to get a team into that New Year's Six Bowl lineup at the end of the season. All right, real quick, college football playoff thought. We'll talk about a little bit more about it tomorrow, but Tuesday night we're going to get our first playoff rankings. I'm going to say right now I think Penn State's going to be number five with uh, Clemson hang, coming in just ahead of them. I, I think there's still a case to have Penn State in the top four, but my gut reaction right now is that Penn State will be number five. And one last news and note item on the agenda from around the nation. On Sunday, Florida State fired head coach Willie Taggart, paying him a $17 million buyout. He was 9-12 overall, lost to Miami over the weekend. Things have just not gone well. It's only been a year and a half for Willie Taggart, though. I think that that leash was a little too tight for Florida State and Willie Taggart. I'm still thinking Willie Taggart's a good coach. I don't think it's all his fault of Florida State. But big news out of the ACC, Willie Taggart is no longer the head coach at Florida State. That's actually the second coaching vacancy that's been opened up. Of course, Rutgers is still looking for their head coach. And reports over the weekend were that Butch Jones, former Cincinnati and a former Tennessee head coach, was interviewed for the job. That would be a pretty good hire, actually. I am not totally against that if Rutgers goes with that. I say that, honestly, I feel like Butch Jones is a good coach. Think he could do some decent things at Rockers. Maybe not good things, but decent. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Come back tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to start beginning our scouting of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We'll take a look at their season up to this point, see how they got to 8 0, check out some of their key players. And of course, with the college football playoff rankings coming out tomorrow night, we will share some more thoughts and what to expect from these first batch of rankings as we get closer and closer to seeing just how the selection committee is evaluating Penn State amongst its peers to this point in the season. Exciting times, and you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode moving forward, guys, because we're going to have a fun month of November, I'm pretty sure. And if you want to subscribe to these episodes, you can do so in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and many more. And please consider rating and reviewing. Not only do I appreciate reading your feedback, positive or negative, I do want to make sure we're improving the show for you guys moving forward. And I also want to make sure that you're helping spread the word by leaving a rating and review so people can see what others are saying about the show. And maybe they'll come and check it out as well. And of course, you can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and head over to Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Give us a like. Let us know that you're checking out our Facebook page. Share these posts with your friends and your family and invite them to come check out our show as well. So lots of stuff to get into starting tomorrow with the Penn State-Minnesota game coming up this weekend. It's going to be a fun week, guys. I look forward to talking about this game and this team with you in the coming days. Hopefully we get our week started on the right foot. Have a great Monday, everybody. I'll talk to you tomorrow.